Galatians failed to understand this issue. How do you live the Christian life now that you are in this race? Paul says in Galatians 5, 7, you were running well. What hindered you? And the reason they were hindered is they were failing to understand this issue of Christian freedom. Today on the Song Time broadcast, we are continuing our year in review. In this message from Tony Marita, we'll look at the theme of Galatians contending for the gospel, fighting for freedom, and why it's so important for us to do that. But more importantly, it's critical that we actually understand what the gospel is. We have to know the gospel so that what we're contending for is not fighting in vain. Stay tuned for that message. But first, We'll be hearing an interview with Eric Raymond about his book, He Is Not Ashamed, a reminder of what the gospel is that we are so faithfully fighting for. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. One of the things that we strive to do every day here on the Songtime broadcast is articulate the gospel because we know that you need to hear the gospel on a regular basis. It's very easy for us to hear it and kind of neglect it. It's kind of like white noise in that sense. We are so familiar to hearing it that we would recognize it if it wasn't there, but we have a hard time really connecting with it when it's right in front of us. Just think about that. You can sing a song on a Sunday morning and uh, not even realize the words that you're singing. You're so familiar with the song, you almost do it by rote. You do it without even engaging with the text. It happens all the time. In fact, a familiarity with the gospel can cause a little bit of, of distraction, a blurring of the gospel, and that is dangerous. It's something we strive to do on a regular basis because articulating the gospel is something we want you to do in your own personal life. What do I always say? That you need to preach the gospel to your You need to linger a little bit longer at the foot of the cross. We say that because we need to orchestrate our entire lives after the gospel. It is what compels us, as it says in Galatians 2.20, that the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life that we live here is really constructed by our understanding of what Christ has already done for us. Well, today we're going to share with you an interview that I did earlier this year, not too long ago, but our guest is Eric Raymond. He wrote a book called He Is Not Ashamed, The Staggering Love of Christ for His People. One of the best books that I read all year and one that you should have a copy of if you don't have it already. I asked Eric to share with us why the gospel is so important. If it's something we all know, we're already saved by grace through faith, why do we need to keep revisiting this gospel theme? Here is Eric Raymond. Great question, Adam. I think we get the gospel, but I don't know if the gospel gets us in the sense mm. of that. I don't know mm. if it really gets in, right? Does it does it permeate us? Um, does it really get in and affect how we interact with people? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think if it if if it did, we our lives would probably be, be a little bit different. We'd be a little bit more gracious, a little more humble, a little more thankful, a little less anxious, right? A lot of a lot of these things um, w- would come out. So, how does the church treat one one another? How do we treat people outside the church? How do we think about lost people? Uh, this, there's a lot that we need to be reminded of. So, I think, yeah. So, in isolation. Uh, the story of the thief on the cross. Like most Christians, people that have been around the, the church for a while could go through that story. But if you take, say, the thief on the cross, you get the sinful woman in Luke 7, you got Saul of Tarsus, you got the rich young ruler. Like you just take all these stories and you, 
and you say we're gonna we're gonna binge watch the narratives of of the Bible, and you just let the waves of grace just soak over you. Eventually, you're overwhelmed, and you just say, "Oh my goodness, I get it." It might be four stories, it might be forty stories, but my goal in this was just basically, well, you're out there on the Cape, just to sit in the waves, the waves of grace for hours, and just just enjoy being washed over by the love, and however long it takes to hopefully at some point realize that that this Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers because mm-hmm. he came came down for us. And so that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. I like that, and uh, that's something we try to emphasize all the time. We've got to linger a little bit longer at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. We've got to consider ourselves and our own need. You know, it's, it's, it's very easy for us to get up from the cross and go on our way and and carry it around our neck, but forget that we need to keep on going to the cross and repenting of our sins and acknowledging our own need for humility, because ultimately it's the gospel, it's the cross that's going to transform us to be able to see other people the way that God sees other people. That's right. Yeah, because it calibrates everything. I mean, so I I think, like in our culture today, I mean, especially evangelical Christianity, it's a bit of a celebrity issue, uh, especially in the West. Well, like you take a story, uh, Blind Bartimaeus, right? I mean, he's he's on the side of the road, and, and Mark makes that point that you know Jesus stops, right? So, in throughout the Gospel of Mark, he's always moving around everywhere fast, and here's the one guy who makes Jesus stop in his tracks. It's not the celebrity from the town; it's the guy begging on the side of the road, who's crying out, "Hosanna, Son of David, have mercy on me." So, it does seem that Jesus's eyes are attracted to people in a way that we might not be. And so we might actually be prizing the wrong thing and not prizing the thing that Jesus prizes. So these are just ways for us to see Christ and see his eyes and what he prizes. And I think it, it's it's useful for us to remember as, as Christians. We're in the process of studying through the book of Galatians. And it's I think it's easy for us <laughs> to look at this and say, how could they have been so f- foolish? We can be astonished like Paul was, astonished that they were so quick to forfeit the gospel, but this is ultimately the crux of it, right? We we fail to see ourselves as recipients of a gospel of grace and start to measure our own self-righteousness against the righteousness of others, and that causes a lot of great division that uh, separates us from the people that are, quite honestly, just in, as needy of the gospel as we are. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we take our eyes off Christ, and you know, you, you start adding to him or taking away from him and it causes a causes big problems and then what are you left with you don't have grace you end you're ending up in some type of um, arms race for righteousness and that always leads to the flesh it always drives to the flesh which then becomes it this big cycle of trying to get more get a leg up and, and in order to do that you have to push other people down you're always comparing uh and it's 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 not the pattern of the gospel. Paul was in labor till Christ was formed in them, mm-hmm. not until Paul was formed in them or anybody else. And so that's, I think Galatians is a great picture of how quickly people can get distracted away from Christ and how urgent the matter is, right? Paul was beside himself um, for what was going on there. We've been listening to my interview from earlier this year with Eric Raymond. His book is called He Is Not Ashamed, The Staggering Love of Christ for His People. It's an excellent resource and one that I can highly recommend because 
the way in which we will change, the way in which we will be conformed into the image of Christ, it's not through compulsion. That's Paul's argument in Galatians, by the way, as he talks about his own testimony, saying that he came to the Galatian believers, and out of love, they were willing to give him their own eyes, gouge out their own eyes and give them to him because of bad eyesight. But it was the Judaizers who were coming in with laws and compulsion and telling them, you have to do these things out of obligation. And the difference is what they were willing to do for Paul was motivated by love. But what they were supposed to be doing for the Judaizers was motivated by guilt. It was motivated by pressure. It was motivated by uh, a a tyrannical system. And Paul says that is not the gospel. What really compels us to change is not somebody else coming in and telling us how we ought to do things and what we ought to do and bullying us to do it. But what really compels us to change is love. And that is the love that we receive through Christ. It's a great resource. With this book and many others we have available on our bookshelves, we could fill all of your Christmas shopping list. Give us a call, 508-362-7070, or head over to our website at songtime.com. Today, we're continuing our year in review as we hear this message from Tony Morita as he talks about how to contend for the gospel. We must fight for this gospel, but where we often get off course is that we don't actually know what we're fighting for. If we don't know the gospel, that will lead us into a vain fights where we are beating the air and not actually landing our punches because we're not contending for the thing that matters most. Here is Tony Morita with a closer look at the central theme of how to fight for the faith that is passed down to us from the saints. The Galatians failed to understand this issue, and that was how do you live the Christian life now that you are in this race? Paul says in Galatians 5, 7, you were running well. What hindered you? And the reason they were hindered is they were failing to understand this issue of Christian freedom. And what I'd like to do in our time together in these 15 verses is look at three particular instructions for running well. The first one is found in verse one where Paul says, for freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. The problem with the Galatians was objectively they were not walking in this truth. They still believed they needed to contribute to their salvation. Notice how he says it in the, in the verse here, stand firm, stand firm. Don't go back to slavish ways of thinking. Stand firm, you are free in Christ, live in this. He says, don't submit to the yoke of slavery. Don't, don't return to legalism, don't return to slavish ways of thinking. Now my friends, there are millions living under a yoke. They're living under this idea that they must pay God back for their past. They must do enough, be smart enough, right? Do enough good things, and all it is doing is crushing them. And Paul says, don't put that on you. Our greatest obstacle for eternity has been removed. We are no longer under the penalty of sin. Now, when you work that into your heart, you can be free from your experience daily with sin. And so do you love Christ, your liberator? Do you love this liberator who came to set you free? There are some people think, you know what, if you teach people they're free in Christ, they won't want to serve him. It's actually the opposite. Once you see Christ has set you free from sin and death, then you serve him not out of duty, do you? But out of love. Number two, Christ has set us free. Live in the truth. What I want you to see is Paul is talking about how the Galatians were listening to the wrong teaching. They were trying to put this yoke back on them. 
And so he has a very sustained argument from verses 2 to 12, and he ends with a bang in verse 12. And again, the problem in Galatia is this issue of circumcision and keeping the law. So for Paul, circumcision, it may seem kind of out of date for us in the 21st century, but think about it like this. This simply symbolized a religion of human achievement. And Paul's been saying we have a religion of divine grace, of divine accomplishment, not human achievement. Now let's just highlight them briefly. Verse 2, he says that if you listen to these teachers, then you will view Christ as insufficient. He says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ is no advantage to you. It is not Jesus halfway and then I make up the rest. No, Jesus' work is perfect. You can't add or improve to the work of Christ. If you add to the gospel, you lose the gospel. Further, he says, you need to realize once you go down this road of accepting circumcision and the law, you have to keep the whole law. What we've, what we've seen is chapter 3 where Paul says that no one can do this. So why would you want to go down this road? You have to obey the whole law. Third, he says if you accept this teaching of human achievement, religion by human achievement, rather than divine grace, then you divine, you, you fall from the doctrine of grace. Notice verse 4. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You who want to be made right with God by law keeping, you've fallen away from grace. So that is the, the false message. Now notice the false messengers. He says this persuasion is not from him who calls you. Don't listen to their persuasion. We know they're not sent by God because they're not teaching the truth. Further, he says in verse 9, they contaminate others. These teachers contaminate people. He says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Just like leaven that permeates the whole lump of dough and makes it rise. So false teaching gets in and it is a, it's just a symbol of permeating sin and false doctrine. Jesus said the same thing about the Pharisees when he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now notice what verse 12 says. He says, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For Paul, the gospel was so important, he would die for it. And he wanted this leaven to be removed. He wanted this false teaching to be removed. So summarize this whole section like this. He says, Galatians, trust in Christ alone for salvation. Look to Christ and Christ alone. Find your righteousness in him, not from law keeping. Embrace him by faith and faith alone. Christ has set you free, live in the truth, and don't listen to the false teachers. Thirdly, Christ has set you free, now live to love and serve others. I love what Paul does in this passage because he avoids two problems with freedom. On the one hand, he does, he tells us in, in verse 1, he avoids this, this problem of saying, you're free, now I want to try to control everything, I want you to do all of these little things. No, he doesn't say that. On the other hand, he avoids this this problem, the, the one hand over here you might call legalism. Over here he avoids the problem of license. That is, you've been set free, now whatever you want to do. There, there is no moral conduct, therefore, that you should follow. No, he goes in an opposite direction. He says, now that you're free, you have responsibilities. What he says here is that Christian freedom is not a freedom to sin. It is a freedom from sin. It is a freedom now to do not just whatever you want. You have a freedom now to do what Christ wants. The call to freedom then is a call to oneness in Christ and to loving service within the believing community. Now listen to this last sentence. The liberty of the gospel is not to be exercised in isolated independence. Americans love individuality, autonomy, and anonymity in the church. But Christianity is about living in community. You were saved for community. 
It is for freedom that you are enslaved to one another now. He's using this as a paradox to show you the importance of community. Christ liberated you so that you would be growing now with one another. So Paul says, love one another. In verse 14, he gives us this other type of love. Love your neighbor. The whole law, he says, is fulfilled in one word. Love your neighbor. Now, this is interesting. Again, Paul says we can't keep the law. Now he says fulfill the law. What's he saying? Well, again, he's not saying that, that we keep the law for our justification. We know that's unattainable to keep the whole Mosaic law. Jesus fulfilled it for us. And as a result of that, by the power of the Spirit, we are free to live out the teaching of God's law. The Spirit changes us and now empowers us to obey God. Now, what is surprising is Paul doesn't say the whole law is summarized with love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what is said elsewhere. The whole Ten Commandments are summarized with love God, first four commandments, love neighbor as yourself, like six commandments or five and five, however you want to divide it up. It's surprising that Paul doesn't say love God and love neighbor. Perhaps this is just shorthand or perhaps Paul's just saying neighbor because of the context, but more than likely he has both of them in mind. He probably has in his mind that a love for God does manifest itself in love for neighbors. These are not two divided things really. If you are loving God, you will love people. If you're not loving people, you're simply not loving God. The whole law is fulfilled in this one concept, love God. So they're, they're related to one another. So those who are freed from the law are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live out this new life of love. You are free, Christian. You're free to run. And don't let anyone hinder you from obeying the truth. Well, this wraps up our three-week-long series of A Year in Review. And what a year it was. So many great conversations and interviews, as well as some of the best Bible teaching that I think we have ever had on the broadcast, all centering around some central themes of contending for the gospel. We started off our year in the book of Ephesians. We covered the, the Holy Week in the Gospel of Mark. We were in Proverbs in May and the story of Abraham as the foundation, as the father of our faith. And then in our summer psalm series in book three, the psalms, the prayers of the priest, uh, pastoral prayers, a great series, and then wrapping up our year in the book of Galatians. I have to say that this was a tremendous year, all centering around that theme of knowing the gospel and contending for the gospel, realizing that this is a gospel that is that is Christ's righteousness, not our righteousness. And the gift that we have been given is not based on our works. It's not our own effort. There's nothing for us to boast in. It is solely in the work of Christ and Christ alone. We boast in the cross, it says in Galatians chapter 6. If we really want to be advancing the kingdom of God, it starts with us knowing the gospel, dying to ourselves, and taking that gospel message to heart to truly accept the work of Christ as the only means of our salvation. And then from there, we must live by the faith that we proclaim. We must live by faith. We must actually exercise that faith and walk by faith and stand by faith so that we might be a witness to the world around us. That's our hope going into this holiday season for you, that you will be a witness. With the information that we've covered over the course of this year on what the gospel is and how to contend for that gospel, I hope that you, as a part of the many voices for that one message, will then take that gospel message and pass that on to your friends, your family, your loved ones, your neighbors, so that we can see the gospel and the kingdom of God advancing in our communities. 
Now, if you want to read more on this subject, I wrote a gospel refresher as our article for our latest publication uh, called Worthy of the Gospel. You can check that out on our website at songtime.com. And I encourage you, share it with friends. Print it off. You can do whatever you want. You can distribute it however you like. We want to encourage people to know the gospel and make the gospel known. And that was the intent of our gospel refresher, uh, that article. So check it out again on our website at songtime.com. And if we've been able to bless you over the course of this year, as you consider your end-of-the-year donation, would you consider song time at the top of your list? If you've been blessed, make sure that you are a blessing in return. That is a biblical principle. If you've been blessed, return that blessing. As we've been loved, we're called to love others. So if we have been able to encourage you, could I encourage you to give back to us so that we can stay on the air for another year? Let us know. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call, 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Ephesians 1, 3 through 4, taking us all the way back to week one of 2022. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him.